0: podcasts the audio frontier these are the episodes of the great pop culture debate its mission to explore strange new decisions to seek out characters that give us life and to boldly go where no man has gone before and when it comes to at least half of this panel strange men have boldly gone pretty much everywhere (laughs) Now that I've sufficiently scandalized the ghost of Gene Roddenberry, let's set our phasers to stunning as the great <laughs> pop culture debate tries to determine who is the best Star Trek crew member ever. I'm a doppelganger from a parallel universe where everyone is evil and has a beard. Here, that just got me where Wolf I'm your host, <laughs> Mirror Eric Resniak. The real Eric Resniak is dead. Please welcome my panel of Patoks. <laughs> <now. laughs> we'll wait. <laughs> Call him the Boar Queen, because resisting his arguments would be futile. It's Derek Makita.
1: You know, I would add your biological and technological distinctiveness to my own, but honestly, it's not worth the probe.
0: <laughs> it's not. But I do put the ass in assimilation, hunty. So next up, it's Jim Zadzik, who assures me that there are four lights. Right, Jim?
2: Oh, maybe there's five. Damn it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm a podcast host, not a torturer.
2: Wait, Eric, did you put me in this podcast just so you could make damn it gym jokes?
0: I did not not ask you in this podcast so I could make a damn it gym joke. You can trust our next panelist with your t- latinum anytime. It's Michael Schwartz.
3: Rule of acquisition number one, once you have their money, never give it back.
0: Oh, I thought the rule was get the money before you take your top off. Is that not correct? It's our, the money's on the, di- on the dresser. Oh, okay. I never followed those rules anyway. And finally, Finally, the rest, of the result of a freak transporter accident that crossed regular panelist Joelle Bodecker with a mouth-breathing basement dweller, please welcome to the panel guest trekker Nick Bodecker. Um, actually,
4: Eric, it is I who puts the Bodecker in Joelle Bodecker.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, if anyone is still listening after this incredibly filthy opening, um, which is actually my race, incredibly filthy opening, opening. Um, We're going to continue on. Uh, As you may have noticed, that's five people on this panel as opposed to the usual four. While I very much enjoy Star Trek and have seen at least some of most of the series and almost all the movies, this is a subject that really calls for expertise. Uh, So I will be moderating and acting as the tiebreaker, but will not be making arguments. That's up to these four captains. So before we get to the debate, how does this work? We made a poll of every main crew member of every Star Trek TV series and film, from the original series up through Prodigy, and yes, we did include the Abrams films. Note that we stuck strictly to crew members and main cast, but we may do separate episodes in the future devoted to Star Trek antagonists, cameos, or recurring characters. Nearly 90 people took the poll. We tallied their votes, ranked the picks by popularity, and added them to a bracket. Now we argue about it and insult each other, all for your amusement. Want to play along at home? You can. Head to greatpopculturedebate.com and go to panels and brackets. There you'll find the downloadable listener brackets for this and every episode of our little show. Do your picks match up with ours? Do you need to see us in your ready room? Let us know by dropping a comment on this episode at our website or by yelling at us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. And lastly, if you're curious about how we went from the top 32 down to the stellar 16, become a Patreon supporter of our podcast. Our Patreons at the $5 level or higher get exclusive access to the warm-up slash part one for each episode in which we work our way through the all of round one. It's like a whole bonus episode for each topic, and it includes arguments you will Will not here anywhere else. And it's only one of our great Patreon perks, so consider supporting us on Patreon today. And with all of that out of the way, let's engage and get straight to the debates. First up, it's ultimate number one seed Jean Luc Picard from the next generation slash Picard, who is poised to use the Picard maneuver to wipe out the chances of four seed Quark from Deep Space Nine. Derek, explain why we should make it so. Michael, channel Quark and make us a bargain we can't refuse. And I'm going to have Michael go first.
3: I fully expect to be completely assimilated like Locutus of Vorg, comma, <laughs> however. I feel like that we needed to give some love to my man Quark. Um, Quark is... I think that, like, one of the things that impresses me about Quark is actually the character development that occurs with him over the course of the seven seasons of DS9 for you. Like, we have an introduction to the Ferengi in a couple of episodes in TNG, but this is the first time that we really get to get in-depth with any um, Ferengi characters. And you have Quark and you have Rom and you have Nog that are, like, kind of... Nog and Rom are recurring characters on the show. But Quark is, again, one of the characters that's on every single of the 173 episodes that occurred on DS9 for you. And his development coming from the very stereotypical look that we get of Ferengi in TNG, where it's the money-grubbing... Um, can't trust them anything to a character that actually develops a heart, a soul and a conscience over the seven series, seven years of the series that he becomes integral. Um, you get, his help that he has when the Dominion takes over the station, you know, he, he plays along with the occupiers at the time, but he's also there trying to help as much as he can um, to get the Federation, to get the Bajorans back into it, to take the station over for it, to get rid of the Dominion. You know, he plays both sides against the Cardassians, but his, in in the end, he's a character with heart and soul that really cares for, you know, Cisco, Norris, O'Brien, everybody else that are regulars on these shows for us. Granted, Jean-Luc Picard is the captain of the Enterprise, but who you see in the beginning of season one, episode one, an encounter of Farpoint, all the way through the seven series, seven years of the TNG series, there is some character development, but it's pretty much not too far off of what you get from episode one all the way through the end. Quark, on the other hand, does make a change in who he is and how integral he becomes to the trek universe as he develops over those seven seasons for us
0: okay so it's the argument of an arc maturity character growth versus picard who's arguably amazing from the jump was that your argument derek
1: um Well, I, I first, I want to say that Michael, I thought that was a, a beautiful tribute to Quark, and, and I agree with literally everything you just said. Um, See, because, I'm right. Well, <laughs> no, you, you you are right about Quark being an amazing character. um He is a Trek character. He is not necessarily a crew member in my mind. Like he is a series regular, and that is why he's in these brackets, and it got got a lot of votes. But to put him up against Picard. I maybe, if I had you know maybe if it was quark against like Dr Bashir, I'd be voting voting for quark, but he's up against Jean luc Picard, and I'm not going to go like super into depth, but let's start to start by saying this: No other trek series to date has been so entirely centered around a single character so much so that the show literally bears his name, Star Trek Picard. Jean Luc Picard has been a part of Trek culture for nearly 35 years, and in that time, he has become so central to the ethos of Star Trek as to be inextricable. There have been many fine captains in Trek. None has more restrained complexity and honor than Picard, in my estimation. We we have or we'll talk about many of the other series leads, including other captains, but the answer to the old question Kirk or Picard has never been more clear than it is here in 2022. By the time this podcast, episodes, podcast episode airs, Star Trek Picard will be finishing its second season run, adding even more detail and nuance to one of Trek's most well-written crew members. We can save the meat of our arguments for later, as I'm fairly sure that that, that he's advancing here. Quark is a fine character and honestly, really put the Ferengi species on the map in a way that TNG never did or could. But come on, he's up against Picard. I kind of feel bad for this
2: matchup.
0: <laughs> uh, fair. Jim, where are you on this? I kind of agree
2: with all of that. You know, I agree with Quark's growth, but I don't see him as much as a crew member. And come on, he's against Picard.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Nick?
4: Uh, I second and third, everything that's been said. Um, Quark, <laughs> Quark is, is, you know, he 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 took the frame. he race from a, a you know a kind of crude caricature to mm-hmm. something much more uh, sublime. But he's up against Jean Luc Picard. I, I, do we need to say anything more? Like, I don't think we do.
3: <laughs> okay, I get it, Lacutus. I get it.
0: <laughs> with that being said, we will be advancing Jean Luc Picard to round three. Uh, next, the doctor from Voyager, a two seed, currently has the prescription to advance to round three, but Nick wants us to stay bonded with Jedzia Dax from Deep Space Nine, a three seed. Jim, explain why the hologram doctor is a gem. Nick, argue why we should double our pleasure with Jedzia, and I'm going to have Jim go first.
2: All right. I think it's interesting that the Doctor and Jed Z are, are paired up against each other because they're both explorations of personal identity and personhood. Mm-hmm. You know, if Dax's identity is a combination of her past lives and personalities in her new host body, um, pulling on those different uh, voices to some extent, uh, like us managing different parts of our own personalities and our needs. Um, the Doctor also explores the concept of personal identity as he grows from a program to developing his own personality, his wants, and his needs as a as a living being. Um, the thing I th- think that's really interesting about the doctor is that he started as a stripped down Dr. Zimmer, Zimmerman clone, but grew to be a unique individual based on his experiences and interactions with others. Um, it's a long exploration throughout the entire series of nature or nurture over the course of the series. And I think that's kind of an interesting exploration throughout, you know, when we're used to these episodic you know, episodes, um, they, they were really exploring his character over the, the arc of the entire thing. Um, I think, uh, perhaps the best aspect of his, his character is the fact that he grows so much while, um, DS9 is celebrated as being the show that kind of did that. I think the, the most, the sense of place and exploring character development. Um, I still think no doctor can, uh, the doctor is still, uh, a, a better exploration of that for that specific character. Um, and also just kind of thinking in the writer's room aspect, they limited him so much at the beginning. He had to be in one room. He had he had no bedside manner. He can only exist in that space and he's uneasy with what has happened to, you know, that he's been running for so long. And to have him, you know, to, to be stuck as a, to make a character likable, even though he's not likable, and um, to make you kind of enjoy his his progression throughout the entire series, I think is uh, quite a feat.
0: All right. And, and yeah. it occurred to me when you were describing him, they're kind of doing a similar thing right now on discovery with the ship who's beginning, who's gaining sentience. Yes. Zora. Yeah. Yeah. Zora. Thank you. I couldn't Zora. think of the name. Um, well, Nick, why don't you talk to us about Jed So
4: this is, this is a tough one. Um, the, the doctor is, is a wonderful, lovable character. Um, and he, he makes the, voyager that much richer by being present um i think my central argument about jedzia goes back to the idea of ds9 being a really tight ensemble where you pull one character out and the whole thing falls apart um which i think trek kind of did uh, DS Nine kind of did when jedzia was was killed uh spoiler alert um but uh the doctor is is, is is as great a character as he is i think voyager would have continued on in his absence Um, but you know, it's, it's a hard one because you're absolutely right, uh, Jim, that, you know, both characters are, are true Trek in that they are an exploration of what it means to be human, what it means to be a sentient creature and, and, you know, both, both very high concept sci-fi, um, character explorations. And, um, they both do a wonderful job. Both actors do an amazing job of taking what the writers have thrown at them in terms of, you know, and, and you know, Robert Picardo, uh, you, you know, just outside of, of track, Robert Picardo is one of my favorite people. Um, yes. You know, he's involved mm-hmm. with the Planetary Society, which is uh, mm-hmm. one of my favorite uh, space, you know, real life space exploration organizations. Um, but, and, and he shows up in, in Stargate, which is just awesome. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm happy with letting, with letting him win, um, but I just think that, you know, I guess it's just my bias towards DS9. (laughs) I I just find the the, the characters of DS9 just all individually a little bit more compelling and important together than really any individual Voyager character other than maybe Janeway. Um, Mm. You know, I think you pull Janeway out of of that show, the entire thing falls apart. Mm. You could pull some of the other characters out, and I still think you would be okay um poor DS9. harry poor harry yeah right poor <laughs> harry but you pull you pull jadzia dax out of the ds9 that 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 relationship she had with cisco and 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 it's just you know it's really hard it's really hard to see how she. and, and frankly we have we have we, we, we did see it <laughs> we saw how, how how the show suffered
1: without her so yeah,
0: yeah. uh derek your vote on this one um
1: for, for those of you who are Patreons, you heard me argue, but for Jadzia in um, the first part, um, I love Jadzia as a character. I think she's incredibly complex and probably one of the best written female characters um, in Trek. Um, I I hear what's being said about the Doctor. I, I, for me, Voyager comes down to three main characters, and it... It, to me, it's it's less of an ensemble in that way, and th- those three main characters are Janeway, the Doctor, and Seven of Nine. Like, if you if those three were removed from the show, the whole thing would just completely collapse um, out of its own void, um, and. You know, that's that's no knock against the other actors in Voyager's ensemble. I think they're lovely. I just don't think that the writing was very good for a lot of the other characters. Um, So for this, I give it to the doctor because I do think he is integral to the success of Voyager as a series.
0: Okay, Michael, how about you?
3: I'm actually back on the fence on this one. So um, I know I voted for the doctor the first time around, and I do love the doctor. And I think that I I agree that he is integral to advancing a lot of the storylines, you know, um, in in the exploration of self and like his discovering his identity and becoming a sentient individual um, during the course of that. Um, But at the same time, I think that like the argument about how integral Jadzia was to DS9, like the same arguments that I made in the the Patreon episode about Odo and about Kira Norris, I think that's the thing, is that that was such a perfect ensemble cast that the change of any one of them really makes the whole thing suffer. And again, we see that in Season 7 from the transition from Jadzia to Esri um, for it. And um, It's really challenging hearing the other arguments that the other panelists make as to figuring out who really is, like, more integral to Trek as a whole. You know, um, the Doctor, his character has repercussions outside of Voyager um, for it, where they were trying to... um, When they replicated his program back in the Alpha Quadrant, and it didn't work, so all of his... Copies became dilithium miners, and the whole argument about like what does that mean, giving that that sense of self, and what legal rights do they have? And then you have Jadzia and the and the Explorer, like all of these previous um Juron and Curzon and all the other k- previous hosts that had the Dax symbiote. Um, I hate to say it, but. Eric, I'm going to make you work for your money, and I'm going to switch <laughs> my vote over to Jadzia and make it a tie. Well, you know
1: what, Michael before before we before you switch your vote, let me just put it this way: Jadzia was um, rightly or wrongly, and I, I poor Terry Farrell in this negotiation, she was written out of the show for the last season of DS Nine, and the show did go on without her. So I like I I agree with the the premise that ds9's ensemble is the key to its its strength and all the parts are sort of equally jiving together but the way that the show moved on without her does make her slightly less integral to the overall story in the end i don't agree with her removal from the show and i do think that as that nicole de did an excellent job with as in season seven but Mm. they did
3: get rid of jadzia and and to me that weighs a little bit. It, it does. But I think that in the end, season seven suffered for the, the for that choice that the writers made. It did. It did. And, and I think that that's, it's I think energetic. that speaks to the integralness of not, of Terry Farrell and of the Jadzia character. You know, I think that like if they had not done that, I, I, season seven would have been different. Yes, you ha, you would have you would have had to remove the whole storyline of Worf's suffering <laughs> and acceptance of like no like, the, the, his yeah. suffering and his acceptance of the death of his love, yeah. yeah, kind of stuff. Like Worf finally finds love, and that's like w- w- we're going to save some of those arguments when we get to Worf. But no, I think that still the 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 the, the Jadzia Jiz, character and the the m- removal of her and the change to Ezreal really did suffer and speaks to her importance and her how integral she was to the whole story and to the trek universe as a whole
0: um i'll I'll, before i make this decision and it's funny because derek you just made the exact argument i was going to make and michael just responded to it does the panel believe that voyager could have continued had the doctor been written off
4: with Uh, go ahead uh, i'm sorry i didn't speak up no yeah Uh, go ahead I I I'm struggling with the idea that the doctor was was an integral character to Voyager. Um, don't get me wrong. I, I especially in the later seasons when he grew and became a really, a, frank, frankly, a more interesting character than he was in the beginning. I just I, I don't feel like. He was really the, the the emotional center of the show. I think Janeway. I, I think there's a better argument that Seven of Nine, when she came mm. along, became kind of the emotional heart of the show. Yeah, that agreed. relationship between her and Janeway. He kind of stood alone to me. Um, he he didn't really develop his relationships that he developed with 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 Captain Janeway and with Jacob. He didn't really he didn't really develop strong relationships with those characters so much. Yeah. You know, he developed strong relationships with, with Seven, it, but yes. like his, his his growth was more of an individual growth as opposed to a growth into the, the crew. Like he, he he sort of grew himself alone. He had help from the outside here or there, but it was mostly like his own self exploration. I don't feel like he really developed strong bonds with the rest of the crew, other than a few couple of notable examples. Like that's
2: seven. valid, like, right? That's
3: valid. And, and I think like, if you want to compare apples to apples, like if we had removed the Doctor from season seven of Voyager. I don't think that we have a, a massive change in, this, in the feel exactly. or the heart of the show exactly. like you did with the removal
2: of Jadzia. Yes.
0: Absolutely. So with that, Jim, do you agree with that assessment?
2: I'll just throw out their hollow Janeway as a as a concept of a crew member, and <laughs> and that he kind of his character kind of introduced that idea of a hollow crew member. That's
3: true. That's true.
0: That's true. Well, I mean, they had
2: the
3: emergency command hologram too oh, in Voyager. Yeah. Like the it's not with Prodigy, Prodigy's yeah. not new for that. Yeah, and,
0: right. and also though, I mean, there's the also the holographic captain in Picard. Is he the captain or?
1: So he's a real person but that he's got all these other versions of him that oh, the ship has produced yes. that's Thank like you. which I I love I love that yes. whole thing. It's, it's mm-hmm. yeah
4: it's, it's brilliant.
0: So with those arguments I do think that the compelling argument for me is that ultimately the removal of Jedzia actually impacted the final season of ds9 in a really profound way and if you removed the doctor from the final season of voyager it probably would not have impacted the show Mm. so i am going to go ahead and move forward jedzia there Um, wow. they were good arguments well done everyone um and and uh, i'm sorry for the doctor team it went from a majority to a switch it really did it did. it does happen Next, we have two unanimous decisions as Data from The Next Generation, a one seed, fractured the chances of Bones McCoy from the original series and his crewmate Worf from The Next Generation, DS9, a three seed, sent two seed William Riker off with a sad trombone sound. And two more unanimous <laughs> victories. First, by Captain Catherine Janeway from Voyager slash Prodigy, a one seed who already beat Captain Kirk in round one, who blindsided Jordi LaForge from TNC, TNG, a four seed, and Karen Nerisse from ds CS9, a three-seed, who sent Voyager 7 of 9 back to the Borg cube. And this is highly illogical, another unanimous decision by the panel, as Mr. Spock from the original series, a one-seed, easily advanced over Mighty Morphin Space Ranger Odo from Deep Space Nine, a four-seed. Finally, in round two, it's a Deep Space Nine off, as 75% of the panel is pushing for Benjamin Sisko, a three-seed, to take control of the station, but Nick prefers Miles O'Brien, a two-seed. Derek do it again? Lyon, I did it once. Can he do it again? <laughs> Derek, why are you sticking with Cisco? Nick, explain why we shouldn't give O'Brien the Irish goodbye, and I will have Nick go first.
4: <laughs> so once again, I, I'm standing before uh, uh three folks opposing me. Um let's uh, what can you say about Miles O'Brien? I mean he is the ultimate underdog character. He is the ultimate like working man, uh you know, everyday guy that you just you see him suffer over and over and over again, and you just want him to keep. You just want him to win once, you know. He did. I mean, there was, I was reading this article about the hardships of Miles O'Brien on Star Trek and it's literally like listening every every terrible thing he's gone through. He was nearly killed by a biogenic weapon. He was replaced by a replicant. He was framed and imprisoned on Cardassia. He was killed and replaced by a future version of himself. He was mentally imprisoned for twenty for twenty years. He was stuck with a Paul Wraith possessed wife. He was berated by James T. Kirk when he went back in time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it just, it just goes on and on and on. He was forced to raise a feral teenager in, in uh, the episode Times Orphan. Remember that? A who I mean, a, raised oh, yeah. a
0: feral teenager? Right. I mean, <laughs> it just goes on and on and Nolly. on. And, like, and, 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 you know,
4: you know the, he's, it's a really interesting and, and very unique example of a character that started off being at the periphery, on the sidelines, not really someone that we were supposed to pay much attention to. Becoming such a you know and, and this goes back to the idea. And here's here's the thing. Benjamin Sisko any any character in DS9, including Miles O'Brien, you pull out, you 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 break the ensemble. And then Benjamin Sisko he was the beating heart, quite literally, of that show, in the sense that you know he was he was the emissary of the prophets. And without the emissary of the prophets, everything about DS9 falls apart. And, Nick, and, don't and,
1: make my arguments for me. Do
4: <laughs> Listen, listen, this is, this is a tough one. This is a tough one because I, I, there's not a, there is not a character with the possible exception of very early Julian Bashir. There isn't a character on DS9 that I don't like and, and yeah. want to watch over and over and over. Yeah. And, and it goes with Benjamin Siskel. Every character on DS9 is a character I love. And, and but there's just something about the scrappiness of, of O'Brien and, and, and it's very popular now in Trekdom to, to, to sort of celebrate the, you know, to celebrate O'Brien. And and he even showed up as a, as a statue, you know, a statue remembering his greatness at the end of a Lower Decks <laughs> episode recently. Because, um, you know, I, I, again, I, I think it, this, this kind of goes, to me, it kind of goes back to, the, in, in the Patreon we talked about, um, or we talked about uh, Riker versus Saru. I, I just, uh, I think Trek sort of, Favors the underdog in a way. Um, I think you know, the, the, the Saru was kind of an underdog, um, especially against Riker. Who was, you know, this one is tougher because Benjamin Sisko had his own mm. terrible struggles. Mm. Um, and and you know, again, having having a, a you know the, a, a black captain, you know, at, at the center of DS nine was ex- extremely important. I just and and you know, Miles Bryan is a straight white guy. You know, even if he is an underdog, but and a ginger. <laughs> and a ginger. <teacher. laughs> Don't forget that part. I mean, I just, in column media, is was just, it's just wonderful. And he's just, just a delight. And, oh, and, Brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, I, you know, this is this is one where like if I lose, I'm gonna be okay with it because it's it's DS9 and DS9 is just great no matter. Well, what. Well,
1: good because you're gonna lose. <laughs> yes, exactly.
3: <laughs> but I, I wanted I
4: wanted to have a, I wanted us to talk. I wanted us to make sure that we <laughs> gave Miles O'Brien his due. We gave him his day, his his moment in the sun because he deserves it, even mm-hmm. if he does end up
1: losing here. So, mm-hmm.
0: so Derek, talk to me about Benjamin Cisco.
1: Well, I'm not gonna go. And say anything against Miles O'Brien because hasn't he suffered enough? <laughs> um, and honestly, like when I think about like the pantheon of Star Trek engineers in in, in the whole property, M- Miles O'Brien... Is actually more deserving of the miracle worker title mm. than yes. even Scotty, 100%. because he had to take over that Cardassian piece of shit and turn it, <laughs> gold, turn it into solid latinum, Okay, so he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. So let me let me just talk about Cisco for a second. So I am someone who is ride or die DS Nine, and Cisco is far and away my favorite series lead character. And it may be controversial to say I don't know that we'd have the complexity that we saw in Captain Janeway's writing were it not for the morally gray space that Cisco occupies in Trek. Now think about that while I'm, while I'm still speaking. He's he's seen he's seen tragedy and never quite overcome it. He's had his fate predestined by wormhole aliens and come to accept that he has a higher cosmic role to play. Cisco never shied away from making the hard decisions. We see it time and time again in the fantastic writing of DS9 over seven seasons. Q shows up to once again play the trickster. And what does Cisco do? Punch him in the fucking face is what he <laughs> did.
3: <laughs> Which he deserves exactly. amen. And
1: and and you know what? The, early in, in in the DS9 writing, um, there was this whole storyline about the Maquis. And the Maquis was an interesting plot device because it's it's sort of again spoke to this morally gray area like you could see why they have a case but also how they're taking it too far and on when the maquis, the maquis took things too far he crosses all sorts of lines to neutralize the threat that they pose to the greater peace he will forever be a groundbreaking character for trek as its first minority lead he's a loving and devoted father to jake he he's honestly he's devoted to the ideals of starfleet but he'll also bend those rules when necessary to achieve the higher objective. Cisco is a man who is constantly dealt shitty cards and we the audience come up aces in seeing him claw his way back. He projects the strength and honor of Picard while not getting afraid while, while not being afraid to to get a little tough love frontier cowboy in the style of Kirk and even apart from the writing, he could be played by no one else but Avery Brooks. That man is Amen. a master of his craft. He is a jazz musician in actor's clothing. And that's all I'm going to say
2: about Cisco.
0: All right. Uh, Jim, where are you on this one? Um, I
2: agree with I mean all of that. I think that uh, O'Brien, uh, if we're talking about best crew member i mean he defines a crew member kind of in the lower deck style to some not not that far down but like he i mean from running the transporter pad all the way to everything he did on ds9 um he's done a lot in the like the running of the ship or the running of the station um but I, i also agree with the cisco um kind of being the better pick here as well michael what Derek said.
3: Okay. Michael. <laughs> wow. It's opposite day. I, I, I know. You're, you're making up for all of your horrible decisions of Game, in, of, Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? That was my first podcast episode. I get a mulligan on that.
0: And sure. as we've learned from this episode, you know, your first season, your characters can sometimes not really work out. It takes years to really grow. There's an arc, right? <laughs> so, uh, th- I'm just joking. You were great from the beginning. Uh, so that being said, Benjamin Cisco will advance Vance. sorry nick miles o'brien is uh we're teleporting him off the pad That's and right. that is it for round two we're going to take a quick break and fire up the spore drive which will absolutely not create any technological continuity problems whatsoever <laughs> we will be right back black alert And that filthy program you are running in the holodeck, because we are back for round three of our best Star Trek crew member debate. Before we get on to the Elite Eight matchups, I want to ask my panel, how can people hail you on social media? Open a channel. Derek, you go first.
1: Yes, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at DRKMKT.
0: Great.
3: And Jim? You can find me on Twitter at uh, JCZAD.
0: Great. And Michael?
3: You can find me on Instagram at T-H-E-R-A-X 329. If you, and if you have a problem with what I say, DM me.
0: There you go. And you can find me at Eric Resniak on Twitter and Instagram. That's E R I C R E Z as in zebra, S as in snake, N as in Nancy, Y A K. Or just message the at great pop culture debate insta on our insta account or at culture underscore debate on Twitter. Um, So there you go. Now let's move on to round three before we attract the attention of Q or QAnon or either one of them, frankly. Oh, God. First up, it's the bald versus the beautiful, and they want your votes. It's Jean-Luc Picard, uh, versus Jadzia Dax from DS9. I'm going to put it to a vote. Um, let's see, Jim, where are you right now?
2: Um, I'm on Picard.
0: Okay. And how about Michael?
3: I'm going to be with the Dax side of the argument here.
0: Mm, Okay. Nick?
3: I got to go with my man, Picard.
0: And Derek?
3: I
1: love Jadzia, but it's, it's Jean-Luc Picard. I mean, come,
3: on. come <laughs> on. This is not the Borg Collective. You're allowed to have your own ideas, people. <laughs>
0: you are. Do you want to try to persuade anyone with, with an argument here, uh, Michael?
3: Well, I mean, I think that a lot of people, and I'm not going to discount the importance of Picard in, in the Trek universe, but he's not the end-all and be-all of everything that happens here. So I think that, I don't think I'm going to persuade anybody here, but I think that, like, Again, it it comes down to, like, how integral, like, I think that Jadzia just has more character development. We learn more about her. And, you know, the same thing, if we had removed Picard from season seven of TNG, nobody would have watched it. I get that. (laughs) But yeah, I just, like, sure. I, I, sure. I, I, I refuse to get onto the, the Picard bandwagon when it comes to this. And I know I'm going to get shit for this, but you know what? I'm, I'm allowed to have my opinion, well, no matter what, Michael, how wrong <laughs> you all are. My, Michael,
1: I look, I look forward to Star Trek Dax at some point, but it's not
3: going to happen. <laughs> well, no, I <laughs> no, Okay, but, like, we, yeah, we do get troll symbionts, and it may not be the Dax symbiont, but, you know, we have options here.
0: And I will say this: It is interesting to me that when I think at this point there's only two actual captains left in this race. Um, all the others have been knocked out. One of them was never actually in it.
3: No, we have it. three: Cisco, uh, Cisco, oh, Cisco. Oh, yes, Janeway, Cisco. and Picard are still here. Yes. Okay. Before.
0: So, out of the the elite eight, three out of the eight are captains. Um, but I. But uh, I, let me ask this question then: Did anyone change their opinion? Or are we still going for but John Luke Picard?
3: It's going Maybe. to be Picard, I know. It's yeah, it's, Picard. Yeah, it's Picard. It's Picard, too. It's
0: Picard, All right, we're going to move on with John Luke Picard and Jadzia Dax is doxed. Uh, next, we're talking exclusively about my generation as Data goes up against Worf. I'm going to put this to a vote as well. Uh, Michael, who you want? Which side do you want?
3: Worf,
2: Worf, 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 son of Moog.
0: All right, uh, Jim,
2: where are you? Look, I, I think anything I supported so far has getting gotten burned <laughs> down. So I'm afraid to say anything. But no, no, um, no, no. Data's mine. My, I like data more than working <sighs> all right
0: All uh, right, Derek.
2: Um,
1: it's data for me. And Nick little life forms, you tiny little life
0: forms.
3: <laughs> Where oh, are you? It's Data, come on. No, None of this come on stuff. <laughs> why, why?
0: We have not talked about either of these characters, really. So I yeah. think it is, is fair. Derek, talk to me a little bit about Data.
1: Yeah. Um, D- Data is one of the most beloved crew members in Trek for a good reason. Uh, he has this childlike exploration of humanity that he goes on. But also this like dispassionate logic to rival any vulcan he, he's he's fascinating to watch um his very existence is time and again called into question as trek's most important embodiment of of artificial intelligence we we kind of um we delight in his foibles and we cheer on his successes. And, you know, even in the shadows of the plot of Picard season one, data looms ever present. Um, You know, there's this, there's this awkwardness to his intelligence. And even if it is by design that, that nerds can relate to, Um, you know, even though he exists without emotions of his own, right up until the TNG movies, his, his striving to become, more emotionally intelligent is always a part of his story, which is very interesting. He just wants to be human so very badly. And Riker's quip calling him Pinocchio in Encounter at Farpoint really does set up the character that we would come to know and love. There is a childlike innocence to Data and and also an unwavering moral compass that even the human characters come to admire and and strive toward. That's why he's seated so high in these brackets, and that's why he deserves a place at the very top.
0: Yeah, he is a one seed, which is important to note. So, uh, Michael, you're the only one currently voting for Worf. Talk to us about Worf, because we really haven't talked about him yet.
3: Right. So here's one of the few characters that crosses over between two of the series. We get him in TNG, where he grows as a human being and becomes more important. Like, we, after human. the- Human? how dare you? Klingon. <clears throat> I'm speaking. Yes, I misspoke. This is one of the few characters that crosses over both uh, two series. You have TNG, where as a Klingon, you know, he starts to grow as a person um, for it with the death of Tasha Yar and his exploration of what it means to be a combination of two things. He's striving in his own right to find out who he is, a Klingon who was raised by humans and is an outcast in two societies for himself. You know, he's never, like, he has these human behaviors that he was raised raised with after his the death of his family at Kittimer and his integration back into the Klingon Empire as he discovers more and more what it really becomes to do that. And then he struggles with this, As well as he raises Alexander, like how does he really like pass on these traditions that he never truly understood in practice to and this culture of his own to his son, who he wants to be more Klingon, even though he sent him to live with his parents after the death of his of Alexander's mother. We cross that over then when he moves on to DS9 and he becomes a part of that show and an integral part of that where he grows and his love of falling in love with a trill, you know, his love for Jadzia, um, that he fights for the longest time, finally accepts only to lose her and the development of him as a character, as a Klingon where he, 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 he has to deal with this loss that like her death was important in saving a lot of people and she died with honor, but he doesn't want to, to you know, really give that up. He would still rather her be alive, sacrifice the honor that she had in death, sacrifice her spot in Stovakor so that he could have her back through all of this. It's not just one series, it's two, and the movies and everything else that you get Worf in, including talk of a like Worf coming back in these new series that we're talking about. So, we are going to see more Worf in the future. Data's done. Uh,
0: data is, is done for sure, although he is still kind of propelling the, the uh, at least through Picard season one, he's propelling the narrative even when he's dead. I mean, that last scene in Picard where it's, him talking to Picard who is now a synthesoid himself, right? That's where we left Picard's head. Right, but that's kind of like, well, this is what it's like now. I thought that was really compelling and you'll also have him playing the the doctor who, who created, I thought that was all really interesting stuff. It, it was funny. So i this is me showing my no star Trek knowledge mouth. Um, I didn't realize all that stuff about Worf's backstory being raised by humans. It's kind of the reverse of Michael Burnham in discovery where right,
3: who was raised by Clint, who was raised by
0: Vulcans. Right. And mm-hmm. I'd never made that connection. So that's super interesting. Um, with that being said, I, I do want to put it to a vote. You've done a great job explaining why Worf is an integral character. Uh, uh, Jim, are you sticking with data? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, Nick? Yes. And Derek? Yep. Okay. So that was a great argument, Michael. Unfortunately, it, we will be, <laughs> I put John Luke Picard versus Derek, but I really meant data. Uh, so next up, <laughs> uh, yeah, everyone vote. If you want John Luke Picard, you want would
4: Derek. would lose. I would lose. <laughs> no comment.
0: Uh, next up it's ladies only in the next round is captain Catherine Janeway has to engage Kira Naris. So I want to ask, uh, Jim, where are you coming down on this one? Janeway. Okay. Uh, Nick Janeway and Michael. Janeway. Oh boy, and Derek. Janeway. Okay, we love it. We, we love a unanimous decision. And uh, finally, in the elite eight, uh, let's mind meld and determine a winner between Spock and Benjamin Cisco from DS Nine. Michael, you go first.
3: This one's really hard for me. I think though, in the like, because we talked a lot about Cisco in the previous arguments, and I agree, we haven't talked a lot about Spock, but like Spock just spock is the tos character that really transcends everything absolutely Mm -hmm. you know he's like he he's part of the thing he shows up in tng um he also like he he's a part of discovery with the spock character there for us too and i think that like in the end Spock is eternal. He definitely becomes more of he's more than just the original series kind of stuff. He he plays a part in every single basic um series that comes out in some way shape or form. He just hovers there. You compare almost every other Vulcan that you see uh to him like in the series that we don't talk about in Enterprise, you compare you compare <laughs> to Paul to Spock,
1: yeah,
3: you know, and yeah. I think that that's why I think Enterprise comes up short in a lot of in a lot of spaces is that yeah. you know you're comparing an early Vulcan to Spock who comes later and they just can't they just can't compare it to each other. So I, I think in the end I'm going to go I have to go with Spock on this one.
0: He's also the original alien crew member. Correct yeah, me if I'm wrong. There's
3: yeah, he no was the only. one on TOS.
0: No, yeah. that's correct. Yeah, uh, Nick, where are you on this one? Uh,
4: it's tough because you know DS9 is definitely my favorite Trek show, um, and Cisco is is like I said before the heart of DS9. Um, but Spock, you know, and and later on, I, I have Spock losing. Uh, spoiler alert in my bracket. But uh, I don't know. He 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 reflects. <sighs> this is tough (laughs) it is is tough i i I, I really i i I sort of want to say spock almost out of this feeling that spock is like so connected to star trek that to not have spock move into the final you know the the final showdown would be sort of wrong um because you know like when you ask the public at large star trek what do you think of when you think of star trek people will probably mention maybe you know Kirk and, and and William Shatner, but like Leonard Nimoy and Spock, like more than anyone else or mm-hmm. any character, any character or actor are Star Trek, you know. Um, and so it's it's just and, and and as much as I I think Cisco is also an incredibly important part of Star Trek and and how Star Trek evolved after Gene Roddenberry, you know, sort of lost control after he passed away. Um, in a good way I, I just Spock is just Spock is
0: Spock yeah I mean live long and prosper that's the yeah. that is the like kind of tagline right yeah. that's that's Spock um, I'm gonna go to Jim where are you on this one
2: I kind of agree with all that and I, I don't you know I know I feel that Spock's gonna move on um so I don't want to take too much more from all of that but uh, I definitely think you know the the thing that I love most about Trek and is the the idea that uh, we're exploring our humanity through these characters and i think he's a perfect example of that one of the the original aspect of that to some extent and the ones that shine for me are the ones that help us as viewers kind of explore that and he's always kind of working out that logic versus human side versus feelings Mm -hmm. versus how to deal with people all those type of things Mm -hmm. Um, so i think that's a, a big big aspect that makes him a great You know, member member of a crew too. He grows with that. Absolutely, Derek. Um,
1: I would argue that you would not have Trek at all were it not for Spock, and it really just goes back to the very, very beginning where the only character that survived the cage and the recasting of Star Trek and and a new pilot was Spock. And granted, they they changed aspects of his character for what what we came to know as TOS, but out of all of these series, if you remove the, the archetype of Spock, the whole series, the whole, the, whole, the whole universe falls apart. And it's because when you sit down to write a new Star Trek show, especially back in the, the, the 90s, they always say, who's the Spock character? You know, we know that data was the Spock character for TNG, and we know that um, seven hundred nine in a lot of ways became the Spock character for Voyager. So uh, Spock is, is just the it's the linchpin that's really holding Trek together.
0: Yeah, so I believe we're unanimous here for Spock, correct?
3: Absolutely. Yes.
0: which gives us a final four and I think this is so interesting Jean-Luc Picard versus Data Janeway versus Spock that's two captains versus two I'm going to use the term Spock characters it's (laughs) like literally that's what it is right two captains versus essentially two second bananas I mean Riker is the second banana but like the other character on their cruise right that they're both the alien character although uh, next generation had multiple aliens but you you see what I'm saying
4: it's sort of a two sides of Star Trek in a way. It's like, yeah, you know, yes. you've got you've got the the exploration of what it means to be human and and sort of like, you know, the the, the what what Gene Roddenberry wanted humanity to evolve into as, mm-hmm. as you know sort of seen in the characters of Picard and Janeway as these sort of like extremely enlightened but still human. In complex characters. Yeah. They exactly. Are
0: also, if I may add, all four one seeds. It's actually very rare in the podcast that all four one seeds it make is, it to the final yeah. four. True. Um, so that is remarkable to me. With that being said, let's get right onto it. So John Luke Picard versus we are gonna go around the horn. I'm gonna start with our guest star, Nick. Which one? John Luke Picard. Okay, I'm gonna go to Derek. Uh Picard. I'm gonna go to Jim. Picard. Michael. Picard really yeah no i'm i like i
3: did not want to advance data forward i have issues with data as a character but so yeah picard
0: i have data issues too i have unlimited and it still is not enough (laughs) 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 all right moving on to janeway versus spock we're gonna go opposite direction michael which one are you
3: god it's tough it's tough this is really this is really tough i mean i'm pro- i feel like i'm gonna end up in the minority here but i'm gonna go janeway
0: okay that's okay let's take a pulse first and then we'll have arguments uh so nick janeway Ooh, Ooh. all right jim
2: Ooh, it's a tough one it's really tough and um but i think some good arguments were made about spock so i'll go with spock at this
0: okay. one okay derek
2: I'm sticking with Spock.
0: Okay, so we are split. I want to hear arguments on Janeway. We literally haven't talked about her yet. So, who would like to talk about Janeway here?
4: I would. I would love to. If, if, yeah. Why don't you start, Please. Nick, and I'll jump in. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, speaking of integral characters um, to to the, the series in which they are a part, um, and and also just in terms of gra- groundbreaking characters, um, you know. When when they when they there was really a there was there was some bad noise that was made when we learned that the uh, captain of Star Trek Voyager was going to be a woman. Mm-hmm. I, I distinctly remember hearing some talk amongst certain Star Trek fans about how that was a problem. Yep. Um, and I was like, uh, "To hell with you guys! That sounds amazing!" Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I, I think it's about goddamn time. It's the character of Catherine Janeway is just she she both defies and embodies what it means to be a woman in, 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 you know, sort of today's society. Like she's she's both maternal and yet commanding at the same time in in equal parts. You know, she she's both feminine and and I guess masculine (laughs) In, 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 in equal parts as well in terms of her character. Like she she's both. She's able to sort of walk that line between the two. I mean, she the, the bonds that she makes between between herself and her team and her team members are family bonds to a, to a degree that I don't think you see you know even in DS Nine where those characters become very bonded as well. You don't see that another another Trek where the, where the characters truly become a family. And part of that I think is the unique nature of the situation Voyager was in. But you know the the, the relationship between Janeway and Seven of Nine in particular, I thought was just. Amazing in terms of, you know, it was almost became this sort of like mother daughter relationship, um, mentor mentee relationship. Um, but but she was she she had such close relationships with all of her other characters, and yet at the same time, she was in charge. She was the boss. They, when 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 situations went wrong, her crew looked to her to be in command, and she never shied away. From, I mean, and 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 she stood up to the Borg themselves. To protect her crew and get her crew through, she 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 took a, a <laughs> she took a ragtag crew of rebellious Maquis and hapless Star Trek officers. I'm looking at you, uh, Harry, um, and, and 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 molded them into a crew, despite the fact that they were you know light years away from home. Like and, and she and she made not only that, but she made sure that the Star Trek ideal, that the Starfleet ideal of exploration. Um, and, and, and you know, peace, peaceful exploration and also, um, uh, you know, respecting the rights of, of others and, and other cultures were upheld, even though at times that slowed down their journey home. You know, and, and and they actually, we saw what happens when you get, when you sort of like, you know, push those Star Trek ideals aside in order to try to get home. Uh, we saw that with, with the Equinox, for instance. I just... There's so much to say about Catherine Janeway. Right. There's so much to say about how, how amazing her character was, how groundbreaking it was. There's so much complexity there. It's just like I could go on and on and on, on. And it's it's, it's almost hard to, to know where to stop because it's just she, to me, she is just like she's the ideal of, of where
3: I want. The, the ideal of what i want to see when i watch star trek you know
0: okay michael do you want to and, pick that up
3: yeah and i think that like when you look at the jane like in terms of any of the leader roles that are in any of the star trek franchises for you janeway is dealt with the hardest hand to deal with mm-hmm. out of anybody her ship is transported seventy thousand light years from home it is a dire, desperate situation that anybody else may have fallen apart, but she manages to integrate two opposing crews together, create a working environment, face situations that honestly no other series faces in it, pulls them together, and manages to bring them home to the Alpha Quadrant. there are losses of course across the entire thing but like dealing with species that nobody had ever and situations that nobody ever dealing with the borg as the only federation ship in that quadrant at the time you know so I think that like the, the leadership of Janeway, the way that the, her character develops, you know, still putting forth this soft human side, but still being a hard-ass captain when the time needs to be, you know, when she's faced with hard decisions, um, you know, she has a crew made up of a former convict in Tom Paris. She's got Chakotay of the Maquis. Uh, she has a right-hand Tuvok. You've got Harry Kim, who suffers all the indignities in the entire world during that series. Um, you know, she has Neelix and Kess, who they have to lose, and then they get Seven of Nine, reintegrating a uh, a, a Borg into, human, into a non-Borg environment for you. I think that what Catherine Janeway does is nothing short of a miracle mm-hmm. in that season. And the way that the writers dealt with that And kept her and the way that Kate Mulgrew as an actress really portrayed that and gave us both that hard and soft side of Janeway, I think is great. And now, you know, we get her as the hologram and prodigy and, you know, we know that there will be more of actual Janeway in season two of prodigy for us as well.
0: Hmm. Oh, I did not know that. That's interesting. And, and can I just say before before
4: we move on, you know, to to what Michael was saying, like Janeway will literally move time and space. She she will literally stand up to the ultimate threat in the Borg. She will beam herself into the Borg Queen's lair to protect her family. Yes, and to get her crew home. Like that's 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 the dichotomy right there. I mean, she will do. Serious badass things because of how much she loves the people that she's come to think of as her family on this on this ship. Um, Big
0: Ellen Ripley energy. Get oh away god, from yes. her, you <laughs> bitch! Oh my god! Yes, yes. yes. Oh, oh. I want to hear uh, from Team Spock. Derek, <laughs> Jim, what do you got?
2: Um, I'll, I'll start because I don't I I don't have as much, but I think that uh, you know Spock has been there for all of it. And before we started, when we were kind of talking about the you know when the survey was out the results came back and it's it's interesting how um even still how our how the votes have been in this show um how it matches some of the things that have been brought out in new trek and even in the the kelvin timeline films and the more recent stuff that the, the franchise does know what the fans like i think to some extent um and i, I love the janeway's in prodigy as a separate being, I might argue. I don't think you can take Prodigy Janeway and count that as real Janeway. Just so. <laughs>
3: well, no. I like.
2: Have you finished watching Prodigy?
3: Yes. Yeah. And in, in the end, we're going to get Pro- Janeway in season two. Right. Oh, yeah. That's
2: a good. Yes. Absolutely. So that'll be a fun addition there. Yeah. I think it's just interesting. You know, and I, I think it's interesting. That, you know, Spock is everywhere right so original series discovery animated series uh fe- eight feature films of the original um placement uh two uh, episodes of next generation short treks upcoming strange new worlds and um there's double spock in two of the three kelvin films
3: no offense i'm just going to jump here in here and say we stop talking about strange new worlds because we don't know how that's yeah. actually going to play and i i don't think that that should be a part of this conversation
2: no, yeah, I think that just that's a character that uh, is propelling new, new Trek still is uh, the only reason I brought that up. Um, but I think that, you know, Hey, he even, he even created an alternate timeline. So we have more Trek. Um, but I think, uh, you know, that, that again, going back to that logic over emotion and constant battle um, for all of us is, is in our lives, I think is a good thing. Um, another You know, is there too much TNG in our final four? If we get rid of him, you know, I'm just looking at the TNG era, you know, because that's where Janeway, I think, kind of sure
0: the 90s Mm -hmm. to early 2000s is a fair point. Mm -hmm. Spock is the only one that's outside of that right now. Although, as you point out, Spock is a constant. Like, Mm -hmm. there have been three prominent actors who have played this one character, which is, I think, kind of. I mean, certainly there have been multiple actors who have played other characters in Trek, but Spock has had like feature presentation yeah. versions yeah. by three mm-hmm. different characters, all of whom have done very well. If I may yeah. add um, mm-hmm. Derek,
1: I, I, I don't think by, um, by arguing for Spock, we're taking anything away from Catherine Janeway. I think Catherine Janeway stands as a, a singular character in her own, right in the the pantheon of Trek in, in a, in a very strong and incredible way. The thing about putting her up against Spock is what I said before. I think Spock is is ever present. And I think that he he is this constant catalyst of pushing the series forward in in ways both both real and sort of like hinted at, I guess. Um so I, I, I still
3: I still stick with Spock here. I don't know.
0: So has anyone changed their vote? Michael, you're sticking with Janeway.
3: I'm sticking with Janeway and I just want to like one of the refutals is that when it comes to the film, the films, anything outside of the television series, it's all TOS-driven. Whether that's like it's it the original series, and that's because that's what most mainstream people are familiar with. Sure, right. like Spock, for instance. You know, right? Exactly. But that's but that's no, no, and 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 and, and I get that, but they like the paramount who owns the franchise is not going they're going to stick with anything that's original series related so that's going to be all of your kirk and spock characters yes but that doesn't mean that they're the only things in the universe for the people that truly enjoy trek and the entire universe there are things outside of the tos series that are more i think more moving well, Michael, you you're well.
1: not wrong because no, um, mean, yeah. they're, they're they're using Janeway in in new ways that are are fresh and are you know, and we of the TNG era are, can appreciate you know. So um, I think Janeway is getting her due. I don't think anyone's discounting her her contribution as a character to the 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 mythos of Trek.
3: No, and I I agree on that. But I think I think a number of arguments that people make are that like Spock is also out there in the movies, and I think yeah, that's true. But that is just that because there's such a focus in the mainstream for TOS characters.
0: You're making the commercial argument. It's it's, it's a commercial like the, like, the relevance. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, if you
4: look at the the name of what this the name of what this contest is, it's it's the the, the best Star Trek crew member. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and like what we're talking about is the the, you know, the character as what it means to be you know the character what the character means to society. Versus the best actual crew member, right? Right. Um, and like, if you're, if you're just looking, sort of in you know, in in universe versus out of the universe, right? So we're just looking in universe. Um, I, that's why that's why Catherine and Jadon just stands out to me because I agreed think in terms of a crew member. You know, Spock is Spock is, is amazing in his own right, absolutely, and that's why I voted for him over Cisco before. But like, yeah. And, and, he, and how important he is is, is, is important. But, but just as a crew member, like, Janeway just stands out.
0: So this is great, and it's a really intense debate, and I think everyone has made excellent arguments. Here's where I'm coming down on this one. I hear what you're saying in terms of a crew member and the actions that they did. Janeway did some pretty Herculean stuff. I guess I'm looking at this as a – as we pointed out, Spock was the only non-human on – the original enterprise and that type of a character and archetype, which we refer to as like the Spock type character is integral, not only to every Star Trek series, but integral to the entire premise of Star Trek, which is that multiple people from different backgrounds, all getting along and coexisting and trying to find a better future. Right. You could also make the argument, which I was thinking when Nick was mentioning about the backlash to a woman being made a captain, like, literally this is the arc of progress being kind of played out in front of us on a show right and now mm-hmm. you know 30 years later almost people are like well of course you can have a captain who's a woman on that that's not an issue but it's incremental progress right like when burnham was announced for discovery people were like oh and now we get our black woman's captain is that what we're doing and I'm just like kind of yes, but also we need to like actually accept that is a thing that should be completely normal. And in the 23rd, 24th century, whatever it would be, like it would not even a question. Um, so I think there's really compelling arguments, I guess from where I'm coming from in terms of like, I, I, and I think we may be, um, a little bit slighting Spock as a crew member and his actions, because there are many, many times when he, pulled the patch right and he he got them out of a lot of hot shit <laughs> I do think for me and you can disagree with me and come for me I'm giving the edge to Spock here I'm sorry um, so that means we have a final two of Picard versus Spock and I want to go around the horn Jim who wins Picard Derek
1: come back to me okay. <laughs>
0: so wow. Nick. Picard and Michael, Picard, Derek. Oh God!
1: Um, it's not going to matter whether I vote for Spock here because it's three against one. So I'm just I'm going to give it to Spock for all of the reasons I've mentioned before. I take nothing away from Picard and his contributions. I argued for Picard earlier, so I I will feel um, very good about dying on on on. Um, on Mount Soleil, if you will, and um, going with Spock.
0: Okay, Amy Pilot. <laughs> uh, so, and I do think we got to a point where people were like, well, we're not just going to advance John Luke Picard because he's John Luke Picard. It's very much the argument. This is such a stupid thing to say, but in the best pizza topping episode, people were like, you can't just adv- advance pepperoni because it's pepperoni. Like,
4: Picard is the pepperoni of Star Trek. Picard oh. is, is Star
0: Trek's pepperoni. But that being said... There's a reason for it, right? It's because he is a really well drawn character, and I will agree with the arguments made earlier in this episode that the Picard that's at the end of TNG is not that different from the Picard at the beginning of TNG. Now, the Picard and Picard is a different man.
4: I and actually have to disagree with that.
0: Really? You think yeah. he's had an arc?
4: I think he's had an arc, and this is this is something that I was thinking about coming into the the character of Picard. I think he has had an arc. It's very subtle, um, but I think very
3: it's subtle. Simple.
4: Well, hang on. Hang on. Let me, let me, let me explain. So he starts out as as someone who's, who's very emotionally distant from others. Um, He, his type of command is very different from the kind of command that Catherine Janeway does, for instance, which is, you know, he, he's the commander. The relationships with his subordinates are purely professional. He, he doesn't get involved in their lives. He doesn't really get involved with their children for instance, I'm looking at you, Wesley. Like To the point where he actively despises Wesley because he's a child, right? <laughs> like that's that that to me is is a is a character flaw, frankly. I I, I think that that kind of command and, but he he learns, he changes over time. He has experiences that I think opens up his heart. Um and, and I don't know if we're allowed to bring in non-canon references here um but i really like what happens in the novel universe which they actually just erased from history because conflicts with star trek picard Mm -hmm. in the novel universe he gets married to um dr crusher and has a son and to, to me that is sort of picard's arc is learning how being a commander doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be distant from you or the people that you come in, the people around you, that you can be part of their lives. And that, you know, to being a commander doesn't mean you can't also be a father. It doesn't also mean that you can't have other responsibilities, um, you know, and, and, and he learns this through, I think, experience with Wesley and, and how he sees Wesley grow and becomes, Wesley becomes, you know, this, this annoying little brat, this sort of amazing, you know, transcended traveler character. He, 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 you see that with how he um, responds to the death of his uh, nephew um, and his brother. Um, you know, he sort of realizes that that how, the importance of family is sort of almost too late in a way, and, and it really strikes him at, at his heart. I, I, you know, it's it's not it's definitely not something that they emphasize. It's definitely not something that the writers really play up in the show. Like Picard was definitely, and, and that's just with TNG in general. I feel like most of the TNG characters. Some of them had more arcs than others. Like Data, I think, probably had the most arc of all. Yeah, like, for sure. I, 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 that was just sort of the way TNG was written. You know, it was written to be episodic. You could watch any episode at any time and, and, and you know, to be in syndication, right? Any episode at any time and you would understand what's going on. So, But, like, to say that Picard was the same man at the end of season seven as he, as he was at the beginning of season one, I think is totally wrong. Because okay. I think he he becomes he, – he, he truly does grow – to see his crew as a family. And you know what? And the very last episode of the, of, uh, the
2: poker game, right?
4: The poker yeah. game, when he finally sits down at the poker game. Absolutely. It's like he's finally accepting. Because you know, the experience that he has during All Thing All Good Things, where he 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 sort of realizes that he's this this life that he sees in the future of him being this sort of lonely old man. Uh, you know, who's divorced from who's divorced from Doctor Crusher, um, and who's you know living on a vineyard all by himself, which ironically is what he ends up becoming in Picard. Yes, we, can, we, can talk about, uh, we things,
1: could talk about. There's something about this forever. I mean, yes, there's, we there's, could absolutely. Yeah.
4: There's some decisions they make in Picard that I kind of have trouble with in terms of his character, but um, you know, I, I just think, I, anyways, I could go on, but you know, I, I do think that Picard does have some some arc to him. He's not just, you know, a flat character.
0: That's that's fair. And I just wanted to give a moment to him because I didn't want us to kind of see like, well, Picard wins because he's Picard. I wanted just to have that moment where we're like, no, there is a legitimate reason why he is beloved and why he is kind of the statesman. He's taken over the range or the reins of the statesman from Kirk, I think at this point, because he doesn't have the problematic aspects. Yes, he's a a white man, but he's not problematic in the ways that, that Kirk was, who was kind of the Original, like, dude of Star Trek. So, yeah, yeah, Space Lotharia, which frankly sounds like a great time, but uh, that is not. Eric is off. <laughs> and I will So there you have it Our pick for the Star Trek crew member Is Jean-Luc Picard Do you agree? Do you think that this was as rigged As the Kobayashi Maru? Tell us how you really feel by leaving a comment On this episode at greatpopculturedebate.com Or find us on Instagram, Twitter Facebook or YouTube While you're there make sure you subscribe and follow the podcast So you can hear about what new debates are coming up Vote in open polls And o- and even decide which topics we tackle next I want to say thank you to my panel getting to work with you is the best part of my prime directive and thank you for listening if you loved what you heard please consider supporting us on patreon where you can get even more exclusive content and you get episodes a whole day early we hope you have a good one and remember everyone is entitled to their wrong opinions unless you're a Vulcan that would be illogical